Hannah and Eric go on a road trip to see all of Denmark. What adventures are in store? Will they finally see a skylark? Thank you all for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. My name is Hannah and his name is Eric. But uh, we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that there are our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. Yes, deal with it. (laughs) Just deal with it. So, note number one, we're both getting over colds, so um, if we cough or sniff or something, we'll try not to get you sick. Yeah, just... We uh, won't breathe on you. Just just hold your headphones away from your head and everything (laughs) should be fine. (sighs) Right into your headphones. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, birding news? Um, yeah, so yeah. we'll start off with some rarities because that's always fun. And number one that I'm really excited about is a green-breasted mango yes. that has been being seen in Hildago County, Texas, where by was, the time this episode drops, we'll be. I was about to high-five you, but it doesn't really matter. We can pound it. Yeah, we can pound it, yeah. yeah. That's exciting. So, um, So that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we missed when we were there, it, when we lived in the Rio Grande Valley before. Yeah. I think it was being seen when we lived there at Quinta Mazalon. Yeah. And when we got there to go see it, we ended up seeing another rare hummingbird, broadbilled. Yeah, yeah broadbilled hummingbird while we were there. So that was that was super exciting, but we missed the the mango when it was when it was there briefly. So everybody, fingers crossed that we find it. Yeah. And um, anyone else that's going down there, fingers crossed that you find it too. Yeah, seriously. We're about everybody. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's some other cool things being seen. Pink-footed goose, which after seeing the big year, which if you haven't seen the big year, just like, you know. Pause this, go watch it, <laughs> and come back. I was going to say do that. And then listen to our episode with Greg Miller, and then come back to this episode. <laughs> um, anyways, pink-footed goose, after seeing the movie, I have just always wanted to see that because it's just a very iconic bird in the movie. Um, it's being seen in Newfoundland and Labrador and also in Quebec, so Canada birds. Also in Newfoundland and Labrador, there's been tufted duck, um, so that's cool. Arizona has had a ruddy ground dove. BC, British Columbia has had sharp-tailed sandpipers, uh, great skua in Nova Scotia. Um, so things are popping up in Canada, it sounds like. Yeah. Not that we're going there anytime soon. No. (laughs) maybe soon maybe someday maybe when it gets warmer again up there i know we need better rain like snow gear like ski pants yeah i'm fine in the cold yeah you you need some better stuff we'll see when it gets to like (laughs) below zero you're like yeah i'll be okay yeah i'm gonna put them in a freezer for a while and see how that goes (laughs) so aside from uh rarity news i just heard from you that uh very sad a very news. very sad news uh very I- iconic figure uh just passed away and it's not necessarily burden related but it's outdoor gear related and also oregonian related like us we're oregonians um the person that passed away is gert boyle and she um has been a board member i think she was like the board chair but also ran columbia sportswear for a number of years, um, her father, I was reading a tribute in a paper about her earlier, and it was like her father had started it when they moved over from Germany during the Holocaust and uh, started Columbia Hat Company, which morphed into Columbia Sportswear. Hmm. And she has been notable as, you know, 
running it for many, many years. And she's, uh, she wrote a book years ago called One Tough Mother. Mother. <laughs> and that's like how she's remembered. And that's like who she is was like, she's a mother of three and she took over running the company because her husband died in 1970. And they had this huge company that needed somebody to run it. Yeah. And, uh, she and her son were trying to figure out selling it after her husband died. And hmm. um, the guy, somebody came in and gave him just like this horrible um, offer, like insulting offer. And so she was like, heck no, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to run this company and make it work. And she did. <laughs> and she was tough and really cool. And I remember seeing commercials of that's, her. That's what I was going to say about the commercials where she's just like out there. Just hardcore testing the gear, like she's like hike, hiking the mountains with the, with all the the snow gear on, and just like getting it done. And then then she turns around and it's Gerboil standing well, there. I think um, one of her famous, most famous ones is uh, she's like driving a zamboni over uh, an ice rink, and her, her her like son is her son, who's the chairman now or the CEO or whatever yeah. however that works. Um, he's underneath the ice testing a jacket. Oh. <laughs> But we'll find, um, I, I, there's one commercial that I absolutely love that we'll find and see if we can link to it in the, um, in the, in the show, show notes, notes yeah. so you can watch it and remember her because she's really cool and her, the shirts are my favorite, the Columbia Sportswear shirts and yeah, so that's a huge loss. Um, but also, sorry, I'm tearing up about it, but also, uh, I always thought it was really cool. My grandfather was a traveling salesman in the Portland area and he um, met her on many occasions, and they actually yeah. worked together. So <laughs> she's <laughs> she's this person that runs a company that had 5,000 people, you know, and is world-renowned and everything. Yeah. And, you know, my grandpa worked with her, so yeah. I thought that was cool. That is cool. Yeah. So slightly less sad news. <laughs> um, this this last weekend that we're just, uh, just getting out of um, was in Cannon Beach. We have a Stormy Weather Arts Festival. It's a whole art show in Cannon Beach that they... Uh, where we live. Where we live. Um, Cannon Beach, Oregon. Northwestern Oregon. Um, right on the coast. They Every every year, the first weekend of November, they have this big art show, big art festival where all the galleries are open. They're, there's all sorts of deals, new artwork, uh, wine, wine, and food, lots of, and lots of stuff going lots on. Of, lots of fun. It's it's a heck of a time. There's, it's there's really cool stuff to see. It's our favorite festival that yeah. we like close the office here at the hotel that we work at and we go downtown and have drinks and like see our friends. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. Time. And so this year we, uh, we had a showing at the hotel also where I showed some of my, um, some of my photography and then, uh, so Eric showed his photography yes. and then my sister Alexis, who's been in several episodes with us, her fiance's, um, mother so we just say her mother-in-law yeah she is an abstract painter um she used to be a charcoal sketch artist or sketcher i guess and then she had a stroke and after her stroke she became began working with acrylics and um super bright colorful like a 180 in terms of style yeah and her artwork um it was funny everybody that looked at it they they're big pieces i mean they're like a couple feet by a couple feet. Yeah, they're 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 on like four four or five foot six foot canvases. And um, there were so many people that would look at it, and after looking at it for a minute, they'd be like, "Oh, there's there's a hummingbird, or there's a cat, or something." Like that's the the crazy thing about her artwork is that 
like there's so many different pieces to it that it's like a um, compilation of a bunch of different little pictures that all work together and um, that's what I think is really neat about it that people would yeah. look at it and then they see something different after a little while. Yes. We were looking at one yesterday and my mom's like, oh, there's a face in it. Yeah. And then my sister couldn't see the face <laughs> at all. So um, Eric did did his photography. We also had uh, those paintings and it went really well, yeah. I thought. I, for, for, a, for a hotel having an art show or ha- having a showing. That doesn't really have a reception area. We yeah. had um, Eric's photography was set up in one of our hotel rooms. And then Pam's artwork was hanging in, in the hallway yeah. and in the office. In, in the hallway leading to the room and then in the office. Yeah, so it, it went pretty well. I think we probably had 50 people. At least. Maybe more. Yeah. Yeah, that swung into the office for the few hours that we were open for that. So that was that was good. Yeah, and it Eric was, actually sold a couple yes, things. Yes, I sold a couple pieces, which is nice. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. People it, actually want your work. Apparently. They're, <laughs> yeah, so... So that was exciting. So that was that's our big our big personal news from the last couple of days. Yeah, and we're so thankful to everybody yeah. that um, you know gave us a like on Facebook and and said something nice about Eric's work. So thank you. Yeah, and we'll we'll have another showing in another month or so. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. So um, the next little piece is that we had a question come through on our email. And we were going to just discuss the answers because I'm sure it's like school, you know. I'm sure a lot of people have these questions and just haven't asked them. Yeah. So we want to um, discuss them. Yeah. So um, um, the question comes from Nathaniel. He says, hi, love the podcast. Lo- love the podcast. The podcast. The pad. So, hi, love the podcast. <laughs> Recently discovered you after I got caught up on our out, uh, caught up on Out There with the Birds. Love the banter and natural tone of the show. That and the topics that you choose keep me listening over other birding podcasts. Loving the Scandinavian adventure. (laughs) I have a couple questions for you. So, some of his questions. Question number one he's got. uh, What places are on your travel list um, for birds and otherwise? Um, So, I am a person that I I really want to just go everywhere. Um, But I also want to go somewhere new where I don't know anyone that's been there. I want to be the first person in my circle of friends to go to a place. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been to Antarctica and Ecuador and um, where Uganda. else? Uganda, Colombia. Like, there's... All of Central America is done from every, everyone <laughs> the, everyone within our circle of friends. I have, someone's been to every single country. Well, I've never America. talked to somebody who's been to Paraguay that I, I oh, mean, in a conversation, nobody's ever been like, I've been to Paraguay. Yeah. So, if they have, they keep it a secret. Yeah. For, for whatever reason. So it's becoming increasingly harder the more that we bird. And, and the, the more, more people we meet. Yeah, the more people we meet. Because I'm going to meet somebody that's been everywhere, basically. Um, because birders go all these cool places. There's so many cool birds out there. There's ten, you know, over 10,000 species. And pretty much anywhere you go, you're going to find something new. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, that's such a bad answer. Like, <laughs> I don't have a single place that that we want to go. Uh, just everywhere. Like so far I've, we've been to South America, North America, obviously we live there, um, Europe, Asia. So we're missing. Barely in Asia. I feel like we did a pretty, pretty significant. We did a significant part part of like Malaysia and and Borneo. Well, Asia's big. There's a lot more, there's a lot more to Asia though. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so we've been to those four continents, so we have three more we need to at least get to at some point in our lives, we hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm all about checking lists, so I want to just go everywhere. I've been to 33 countries, I think, so far, and there's like 192, so I'm, yeah. I have a lot of work to you go. Get, you're getting there, though. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the places I really want to go is anywhere in like the central band in Africa. See, like he that, just has a place. He's like, <laughs> let me tell you. I'll give you a direct answer. So, so I, that's, there's so many distinctive birds in that, in that region through, um, Kenya, Uganda, um, the Congo, the, that whole, that whole band across, cent- across the central band through Africa. I, I want to go to pretty much all those countries. I, I want to, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Hannah here with, I want to go, I want to go everywhere. And I want to prioritize going places that I've never met somebody that's been there. But I also really want to go to the Central Bay in Africa, even though I know a bunch of people that have been to Kenya and Uganda. I still want to go there because those places look fantastic. And they look like they're going to have some really good birds over there. Um, but so the way we book travel and the last couple trips that we've been on, um, we go somewhere on a whim. So we don't necessarily say, like, I want to go to, you know, when we were going to Sweden, like... I kind of had it in my mind that I wanted to go to Sweden at some point in my life, but it wasn't really that specific. So, um, a lot of times we'll have dates that we can go and we'll see a flight that's a good deal and we'll just book it. Um, so we'll have kind of general areas that we want to go. Yeah. But if a flight pops up too, like... Well, that's, that's how Copenhagen went. Exactly. Um, We we knew we wanted to go north, somewhere that was north-ish. And then a flight popped up for Copenhagen for pretty cheap. And so we're like, well, there we go. Northish and cheap. So question number two. Um, do you go more in depth about your trips to Malaysia and Cuba? Can we hear about those? So we, d- we have an episode about the Cuba, Cuba trip. We, I, th- I felt like we kind of went in depth about it, but we probably could have gone. I mean, with the limitations of the podcast. We, we, yeah, we don't want to bore you guys. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we I, probably do. I keep saying that I'm gonna write a write a blog about uh, about things and try to do that. I should, I should just do it instead of talking about it. But uh, we we could uh, go more in depth in about the Cuba for that, and then maybe write one about Malaysia too, because we weren't podcasting when we went to Malaysia. Yeah, we um, just we found a good flight to Malaysia and yeah. just happened to go, and that was before we started the podcast. So. Um, we don't have any episodes on that, but like Eric said, we could probably write a blog at some point or even just include our pictures, um, yeah. maybe on like Facebook or something. Yeah. That was, that was when we had a slightly less, less good lens. So the, fo- <laughs> the photos, like I went back and looked at them recently. I was thinking like, oh yeah, I'll go back and look at some of those. They're probably pretty good. And then I was looking through them and I'm like, these all are terrible. <laughs> these things look awful. What the heck? So the pictures aren't that good. But there, we we had a good time there, and we we could uh, we'll definitely have to put together a blog to um, show off to to show <laughs> off and talk talk about that section. Yeah, because I you know Malaysia and like we went to on that trip to Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia, and that is like a trip that was a crazy spur of the moment. We're gonna book this thing. Yeah, and we did a lot more planning on it, and um, we'll be doing uh, at least a talk 
about our travel plans at the San Diego Birding Festival this year. Yeah, and about we, how we make plans for yeah, stuff like this. So we will talk more in depth at that talk, and maybe, you know, if we ever do future talks like that, we'll we'll discuss it as well. So maybe we can somehow roll that into the the podcast or, like, our website or something. So yeah. people who aren't able to attend our talks, or maybe we'll just do a TED Talk. Yeah, TED Talk. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just like, send it in. <laughs> just TED Talk from the field. We'll just, we'll just get ourselves some little mics, and we'll walk back and forth on a black stage. <laughs> and like, film it. Like, all right. All right, people, listen. I can't, I can't wait to do this. <laughs> it's happening, people. <laughs> okay, so our third question from him was ballpark. How much do you spend on your trips? Uh, just to get a sense for how much these styles of excursions are thanks can't wait to hear more from you so our trips are they can vary pretty widely and i think i think the way we travel generally not all the time but generally is less expensive than to hire contract through one of the larger organizations and like a tour company like a tour company and just pay like your boom to go do something but we don't... But a caveat to that. <laughs> yeah. We don't frequently hire guides. Um, we... And that's not because, you know, we don't want to spend the money or anything, but I really like birding on our own when we... I, sometimes I do. Sometimes I... That's not true. <laughs> I, I like birding with people. Of course I like birding with people, and that's why we, like, go to festivals and go on yeah. walks and things. But when we're traveling, um, a lot of times it's it's just easier to go on our own schedule yeah. Um, because we don't necessarily want to be limited. Yeah, and a lot of our stuff is just go, go, go from super early in the morning until, yeah. like, evening. And then we spend the afternoon driving to our next spot. Yeah. So it's... And also, um, we like to figure out birds on our own. That That, like, that is that, a lot of fun. That it's is, a huge challenge. That's one of the best ways that I found for birding is to figure it out on your own. Like, when we went to Ecuador, sure, I mean, it was fantastic. Like, the guides we had were great. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was like, this is this bird, this is this bird. Yeah. And I didn't, I just didn't really feel like I was able to learn it that well by myself. And that's that's what I want to do. I want to learn these birds for myself. I don't want somebody yeah, just telling me what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's not... All like I'm I'm a lister, but it's not all about just like adding numbers and tick, ticking birds off the list, and just because I saw it and someone told me that it's this type of bird, moving on like, like that's some some days it's like okay, well that's all I can do. There's no way I'm gonna be able to figure that out, and so it's like okay, fine. You and it know can what be it really is. frustrating. <laughs> but most of the time, I, I really want to be able to look at it and figure out the field marks for myself and all that stuff. But Having said all of that... Are, are those all the caveats? That's all the caveats, yeah. So <laughs> so moving on with the caveats. So this last trip, um, we just went through, went through all the numbers. Um, combined flights, for food... Hotels. Hotels. Car rental. Yeah. Every, for about three and a half weeks in Scandinavia. Yeah, three and a half weeks in Scandinavia. All of our expenses from beginning to end is about $7,000. Mm-hmm. So we had about $7,000 for two people for... For all that. Everything. And we don't necessarily do it, like, super cheap. Like, we looked at hostels, um, but, like, I I don't want to share a room with a bunch of other people. And Eric's totally cool with that, but I'm I'm just not. Um, so we frequently got hotel rooms because hostels ended up being... Uh, uh, hostels ended up being actually kind of expensive for, for like, a private room. If you wanted a private room, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't mind sharing a bathroom. I just don't want to sleep in a room with a bunch of other people. 
So, yeah, I just, I don't want to share a room. So, you could go cheaper a lot of times, um, like, doing a hostel, but, uh, and there, there's probably a lot of ways to cut out costs. Like, we ate at restaurants pretty frequently. Yeah. We, we, could... we wanted to try the food at different places. So, we, we wanted to eat at restaurants and try things. So, we, we could have gone grocery shopping when we got there, because we were going to have one car most of the entire time. So, yeah. it would have been easy to go grocery shopping and have groceries in the car, and snacks and stuff like that for the road, and we... Did that a little bit. We pretty much but only not very bought much. like one, maybe one meal a day. We yeah. bought dinner most of the time. Mm-hmm. We didn't always eat lunch. And then breakfast usually breakfast came with the hotel. was with the hotel most days. Yeah. So we, we tried to save money that way, finding hotels, which it was easy to find. Most hotels had breakfast. Yeah. But um, and we, we tried to save a little bit of money here and there. But for the most part, we just wanted to experience things. So we weren't concerned with like penny pinching, super, super saver the whole time. So... About seven grand for that for us, and then Ecuador with um, it was a much shorter amount of time. So it we was had about two weeks. About two weeks, um, and we had a, a lot of guides for that. So we did, we um, we had a guide almost every day mm-hmm. while we were there. Not quite every day, but almost every day, and that that came out to about um, a little over five thousand five hundred dollars for two people, flights, all the guides and everything, and all of our food and all that stuff that we paid for the whole time. So, so fair, fairly inexpensive for, for a trip like that, I'd say you're, you're spending probably about 6,000 per person mm-hmm. to do that. If you were to hire through. Oh, for Ecuador. Yeah. For Ecuador. 6,000 per person. Isn't, isn't that what the, um. Oh, if you're hiring like a vent tour. Yeah. If, if, if like a vent tour or something like that. I like was if confused. you're, if you're hiring yes. one of those, yeah. one of those companies. Yeah. Usually I think a week, like you, Depending on where you're going, it's like maybe like three thousand dollars for like, like a that. week. It, it all depends, and their 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 prices vary wildly depending on season and where and like there's there's a lot of things that go into their pricing, and you're you're paying for a certain experience too for those. So it's, yeah, it's not you don't get out of that what you get what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But they're two they're two completely different things. It's apples and oranges for yeah. for those two things. Yeah, and um. Like, those tours, like, those are going to be low stress because, like, you have your food taken care of, your yeah. hotel, your transportation, um, somebody to help you go birding. And in Scandinavia, we were, like, trying to find a McDonald's every day at, like, 3 to figure out a hotel for that night. And, you know, doing price comparisons. And then we didn't find a hotel one night, so we ended up staying somewhere where we didn't really want to stay. Um, so... You know, yeah. to each their own. Exactly. It, there, there, there's different levels of stress that are involved and different, uh, what, what you're willing to put up with, yeah. basically. And we're willing to put up with a lot, so. So, we hope we answered all your <laughs> questions properly. And thank you so much, Nathaniel, for um, asking us questions. And we're going to make sure to figure out where you live so we can send you a sticker. Yes. Because when you ask Hannah and Eric a question, then you get a sticker. Yeah. And limited edition. Limited edition sticker. Because we only printed, like... A couple hundred of them. Yeah. And I, I know we had um, a couple, like, ratings. We didn't have any reviews for this episode, but thank you all for everybody who rated us. Um, we did. However, I was looking at our pod chaser the other day. Like, we're ranked really awesome on Apple Podcasts, which is great. And I'm not saying, like, you know, if you don't like us, you know, even if you don't like us, rate us five because we want to get better so you can enjoy our show and other people can. But... We did get a couple, like, low reviews on Podchaser, or, I'm sorry, ratings. Ratings, yeah. Um, if you feel like we're not hitting it for you, would you just, like, drop us a note why? Because I want to 
be able to improve or if you're just like I don't like your show because you're annoying like just tell me that like that's cool um but yeah please help us get better yeah we always want to get better but so moving away from and thank you thank you for everybody thank you (laughs) everyone that has rated us of any sort and anybody who listens gosh I just feel like I say this every time but thank you so much for listening I mean it's super cool that we're it, it's super cool that you guys take time out of your day to listen to us or, you know, you listen to us while you're at the gym or driving or whatever. Um, we're just like this little indie podcast that, you know, we're just doing this because we like it. So we yeah. really appreciate anybody that does listen. S- sitting in our living room recording a podcast while our cat tries to... Our cats are being really bad right now, but they're so darn cute. He's he's trying to... easy decided to eat dinner right now while we're recording. You should see Cousteau. She's adorable right now. She's like all <laughs> curled up in front of the fire. Oh, I just love her so much. Cousteau. Okay. So, so moving on. Um, the meat of the episode. <laughs> um, Denmark. You're getting that's, back on track, Eric. That's what, that's what we're talking about today. Denmark. Denmark. So, that was the last portion of our Scandinavian adventure. The third leg. The third leg of Scandinavia. So we got off the ship. Um, the cruise ship. The if cruise you haven't ship. listened to the other episodes, yes. you might want to do that and then catch up with this. And, and catch up, yeah. So we got off the cruise ship. Um, it took us forever to get off the cruise ship. It was like, uh, it was probably one o'clock or so before we finally were back to the car rental place. Yeah. So whole morning's all gone. And we made a couple plans for a couple places to see. On the, on the way to the town that we were going to head to that evening, um, which the town was uh, Esbjerg. Which was on the direct opposite coast yes. of, uh, of Denmark from Copenhagen. So we were driving straight through to the other side of the Denmark. The entire other side of the country. Which sounds like so far. So far. But Denmark is not very big. <laughs> it, it's kind of... It suffers from uh, the... Um, oh shoot! What's it called? Oh, so on maps, every map has a bias, and map bias. <laughs> it's, well, there, there, it's there's a specific one for what this particular map bias is. But the things that are on um, are Merca- Mercator, Mer- Mercant, Mercator. Mer- yeah, there's so things that are closer to the poles on general maps that are square, like when you're looking at just a big square map of the world, things that are closer to the poles are stretched significantly so denmark is closer is further north than oregon is and so when you look on a map it looks pretty close to the same size as oregon but it's not it's about a third the size of oregon so it did not take any time at all to drive from the east coast to the west coast of denmark which was like mind-boggling because we we drove for like two hours and I was thinking, okay, cool. So we're probably getting close to that first location that I looked at on the map. And on eBird. On eBird. And so we started looking on the map and we're like, oh, geez, we passed, we passed it like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> okay, never mind. We're dumb. I guess, I guess we're just going straight to Esbjerg. So we, we ended up not stopping anywhere in between Copenhagen and Esbjerg. We just drove straight across, went across the one toll bridge in Denmark, which was a pretty big bridge is pretty exciting um the cruise ship actually went underneath it when uh the the last night of the cruise so that was that was kind of exciting to see it from below and then see it from above did we already talk about how eric was super into transportation yeah transportation lots of infrastructure this whole time oh my gosh it was so exciting so we got all the way to esbjerg um got checked into the hotel um got onto the wi-fi to take take a look at what is around us what's nearby what can we what can we do 
And uh, we, I found a couple places that were just south of us. Um, well, we went and walked around this park first. Oh, first, that was right you're next right. To the first, first, we did walk around that park. Um, and it was pretty good. It had, like, mute swans. I got a great video of some baby mute swans. Uh, <laughs> well, not babies. I mean, like, big swans, like juveniles. Um, and mallards, moorhens, black-headed gulls. Uh, a lot of, like, your neighborhood birds. Yeah, it was, it was a neighborhood park. It had a lot of neighborhood birds. Which is which is good. I mean, we're we're filling out Denmark. Yeah, and it, it, it was giving some data to eBird. It started raining, so we decided not to, um, or not to continue any further. We went back to the hotel and went to go look and see if we can figure out a different route, and uh, or you know what we we're gonna do the next day. And we were just sitting there and we we're like, well. Heck, why are we sitting here? We should just go look. We should just go bird. Yeah, so we did. So we jumped in the car and we went over to this other site that was just south of Esbjerg. It was, I don't know how to say it. Sneem Sluice? Yeah, that sounds right. And it was wonderful. There was just a ton of stuff going on there. We were there right before sunset, so we watched the sunset from there. I saw the sunset over the um, windmills. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but shell ducks, uh, northern lapwings, co- we had a common green shank or a couple of them, mm-hmm. black-headed gulls, uh, kestrel that took us forever to figure oh out. So we saw some pretty cool birds out there then. Um, then we headed back into Esbjerg and went to, we drove around downtown, which didn't, kind of seemed like it had already shut down. Yeah. It was like, it was like eight o'clock, I think, or seven. Kind of a bizarre little, um, port town. Yeah. Or fairy town, I guess. Fairy town, I guess, Yeah. Yeah. Um, took us forever to figure out dinner. Yeah. We're just, we're used to restaurants like Applebee's. I'm sorry, guys. But just like big, obvious restaurants. And so many of the restaurants that we happened upon were like tiny little hole in the wall looking places that it did not, and there wouldn't be a whole lot of people in there. And so, you know, we take our context clues of like, oh, there's a lot of people there. It must be good. I think people just don't go out to eat that much. Yeah, which, I mean, it's fine. It's just culturally, like, it's hard for me to get over that that hump and be like, we should be the ones to walk in there. Yeah. I don't know the language. I don't know what's on the menu. (laughs) Like, I'm flying blind here. Well, the the biggest thing is, I I didn't think anything of the, that there's nobody in any of the places. The thing that I thought was the biggest is, like, what you said, like, Applebee's, like, we, in in the states, we have these big chain restaurants that are usually on the side of the highway, and it'll be like Longhorn Steakhouse and Chili's and Applebee's and Olive Garden and all these all these like standalone buildings that are a building and it has two hundred parking spots all the way around it, mm-hmm. and then right next door is another building, two hundred parking spots all around. So it's like super obvious, like it's a restaurant, and that's what it is. No no doubt about it. But then in up in Scandinavia, that is not the case. You, you'll find those very well, occasionally. So many, but, so many places. I mean, it's not yeah, just Scandinavia. That's true. And it's not like it was a walking area either. It's no. like a neighborhood. Yeah. So so we we ended up finding a pizza place for dinner. Um, it was pretty good. They had this weird um, olive salad stuff and like this salsa and. If you ask me the name of it, I can never tell you. I don't know it, but the food was really good. There was some, there were some guys eating some calzones there. Man, those look good. Yeah, they looked good. Too. I was hoping I was gonna get one of those when I ordered what I ordered. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, but they, they had all, they had like a hundred different types of pizza, or like two hundred. It was a crazy amount of pizzas that they had in this, like different combinations. Like it wasn't like normally, like you can go to a pizza place and be like, oh well, here's our fifty ingredients. You can put whatever you want on this pizza. 
it was like, okay, well, we have 50 ingredients, and here are the 300 different combinations you can possibly have. So, life lesson, just be, like, yeah. bold and go for it. Yeah. <laughs> just go into a place if it looks like a restaurant. Eat there. Yeah, so... They're usually um, re- really good. Went back to the hotel, spent the night, mm-hmm. and then in the, the next morning, uh, we got breakfast at the hotel. They had a, a continental breakfast, and walked back to the room to pack up, and outside... There was this big rock pile, and it had a ringneck pheasant on it. Just this beautiful female ringneck pheasant. Yeah, just and hanging out. Eric got a great picture outside our hotel uh, room window. I just opened up the window and took a picture out of the window. Yeah, so you just never know what you're going to find. So we, we went back and stopped by the Sneem Sluice on, on the route before and, headed over to there. And that was fantastic. So it was the place we had been the night before. Yeah, same exact spot, but in the morning this time. Yeah, <laughs> which made it a lot better. Um, barnacle geese, which we've already seen lots of. Yeah. Uh, shell ducks, lots of shovelers. You know, some of those normal things that we were seeing every single time. We finally figured out um, the skylarks, though. It yeah, took us ton, forever in this field. And tons of skylarks, too. Yeah, this field oh was just gosh. covered in skylarks. But then our really cool bird, um, so the sluice was, it was like a, kind of a, a it, was, it was right on the, the sea. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of marshy a little bit next to the sea, and then it came up into this big dike. Um, and then on the other side of the dike, dike was like a pond and some like reeds, but, um, there was also a ditch right at the bottom of the, the dike. Mm-hmm. And so we were standing on top of the dike, not really sure if we should be there or not because there's no signs. Um, and we walked through a fence, so we kind of figured we could be there. Yeah. Cause there was a gate. So we we're good. And we looked down into the, the, the drainage ditch and Eric spotted a bird that we have been like joking about seeing this whole time. The entire time that we this this whole trip we've been talking about that we need to see it. We want to see it. And every time I kept I kept mixing up the name of the bird too. All he over was the place. calling it a uh, reeded beardling, which but, it's not that. <laughs> it ended up being a bearded reedling. Bearded reedling, which is a super crazy cool looking bird. I think eBird for their homepage had a picture of it um, like a couple months of. ago. Yeah. So it was. So it's a um, it's a bird that you find in reeds, as its name would suggest, a reedling. Um, it's kind of sparrow sparrow size, finch shaped, and it has like really intense eyes. And it has it has a Fu Manchu. It has a black Fu Manchu on its face, which is just like really weird looking. I thought I was gonna get some good pictures of it. <laughs> and I and I did not. Never happens. That, it doesn't happen. We we were we were above it looking down and. The, the lighting was probably okay. I just didn't know what I was doing. But it was super exciting to see that. It was. And then we it was also so saw exciting. reed buntings there, too, yeah. which were uh, another species we were looking for. So we saw our reeded beardlings and our reed buntings. Yep. All the reed things. <laughs> okay. So then we got back in the car. Yes. And we headed on to Mondo. Yeah. So we, we headed on to Mondo, and there was a... As soon as we showed up to, to Mondo, there was, like, this giant tractor... Like, with a bunch of, like, people on, like, a trailer. And it was like, I have no idea what's going on, but let's just go into this inter- interpretive center first to figure figure it out. Oh, my gosh. The it interpretive center was amazing. It was gorgeous, the interpretive center. Like, I, I was a park interpreter, and I was kind of deep into the uh, interpretive scene, I guess. But I have never seen anything like this interpretive center. It was incredible. And they had... 
all these exhibits that were like super futuristic and like really just fascinating that I've never like even seen or I could fathom. I, like we could spend two days in that interpretive center and just there's so much to so much to read, so much to look at, so much like to interact with. What was your favorite thing? I, in that interpretive center. There, there was, I mean, there were like I know maybe, yours, but... <laughs> there were maybe like eight rooms um, that had different displays in them, but what's your favorite? So right off the top of my head was that first room that we went into. It was examples of how water works on Earth. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a few different um, interpretive displays. One of them was the one that we took a video of on Instagram where Hannah was narrating tides. And it was, you had this, you were able to spin the moon around the Earth... And, and it was like superimposed over like the it was and like there, a, there was a projector projecting yeah. water over it and using motion sensitive uh, cameras on the projector it was able to identify where the moon was and move the tide on, in the projection move the water so you could watch how that works so that that was interesting and then there was another one in the same room that was about water flowing and it was it was, I think it was a representation of how they constructed dikes. And it, you could move move the piles of sand, and the projector would project down water or land, depending on the elevation that the sand is at. So it sensed how high it yeah, was. Yeah, so it was able it was able to sense how high the sand was in in the little display there. So it, so many interactive things in that. My favorite <laughs> um, was the very last room, and it was this, when you walk into this room, like everything was just kind of stark white, like very like sterile. And when you walked in this room, there was platform, like these little tall platforms, and I'll post videos of it on Facebook probably, uh, but these little tall platforms that had like wooden carved birds on them. And like very, very low resolution, just like a, a wooden carved bird with no color. Yeah. It was just, it was just wood. like white. Yeah. And then um, like a few feet back from that, there were these like really 70s looking like tv projector like binocular things it was almost like um what are the the clicky picture things the view masters the view masters yeah. it was almost like a view master it, it kind of was like a big giant view masters that were on tripods but it didn't have any pictures in it and so when you looked in it and you you move the the uh view master thing on a bird the bird it was like a video of that bird statue that was on top of the little. Um, it, it was it was like an augmented reality thing, designed specifically for to recognize the shape of like the spoonbill that they had there. Yeah. So and as soon it, as it got to the spoonbill, like the spoonbill would like come to life and like it would move a whole lot. It had like the name that would be projected next to it. And then it would, like, perk up a little bit. It had color on it. It would, like, preen itself. Yeah, and then it would, like, preen itself. Like, it was amazing. Like, I mean, I didn't learn a whole lot from it other than maybe what they look like. But it was just, it was so fascinating and just beautiful and super cool. And they're super creative and awesome. Yeah, and and it it was, like, an augmented reality display. Like, like, as you're looking through it, you're looking, there's a big glass window behind these birds. Yeah. Or behind these wooden sculptures of birds. And so you can see outside, you can see the trees and stuff outside. And as you're scrolling those uh, Viewmaster binocular things over, you, you see, you're looking through, and it's not like you're looking at a video, you're looking through the windows. And as soon as this, the, um, the spoonbill or the plover or whatever gets into the middle of the, of the binoculars, it starts off as wood, and as it gets closer to the center, it morphs into that augmented reality spoonbill and does its whole little thing and then... You can move on to the next bird. So 
it was it was very fascinating. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, so we checked out that whole center. There was a lot of kids there, like high school kids, like doing a field trip. Mm-hmm. And then we um, <laughs> we decided to keep on just driving down the road. Because it looked like a road, and I, I, they had, I think they had Wi-Fi there, so I was, I was zooming in and out on the map trying to figure out if the way that the tractor went was actually a road, and so I was like, I was like dropping the little, the little Google man down onto it to see if I could see what it looks like, and it kind of looked like a road, so I was like, well, we might, we can drive if it, if it gets to the point where it is not a road anymore, we'll just turn around and go back. So we, we did, we went, we went that way, we went up and over a dike, and. Then the road pretty much disappeared. <laughs> it it was it was weird. Like so, it's it was like three miles or four miles long. It was really long of flat flat gravel that they put the gravel out fairly regularly, I guess. And it's the only way to get to the town of Romo. And it's an island. I mean, it's not an island anymore. Well, it kind of is twice a day, uh, but it's an island. Oh wait, no, sorry. Romo was the one with the port. So I, I can't remember what the name of the town was. It wasn't Romo. Ro- it Romo, was Mondo, wasn't it? Was Mondo the name of the town? Yeah, yeah. It okay. was the name of the island. So so Mondo. It was to the town of Mondo. So it's super flat, super low, and the tide, like Hannah was saying, whenever the tide comes in, the roads you, flooded. The roads flooded. You can't drive the road. And so you get out to Mondo, and it's this this little island. I mean, that's like a, two or three miles off shore that. Um, there's like people live out there and hotels and restaurants and I mean it's not huge it's like a village is yeah. how I describe it and then just sheep everywhere because that's what they do is yeah. sheep farmers sheep farming sheep and there's this big dike that goes all the way around the island and um, it was kind of funny because we got out there and somebody else we stopped we were looking at birds and somebody stopped next to us that was geocaching <laughs> and which was funny yeah um and they I were thought like, he was smoking a cigar. But it, it was a geocache he was pulling apart. He was trying to hide it from yeah. us. Um, but he asked us, he was like, do you know what time we have to get back? And we were like, I didn't know there was a curfew. Well, we, we, I knew there was a time. I just didn't have any idea what it was. Because there were signs. There's tons of signs saying, check, to, check, check the tides. Know, know the tides before you go and stuff. And it's like, well, there's people still headed out here, so we're probably fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we went out and, and drove around the island yeah. a little bit. It was well, beautiful. I wish we would have gotten a hotel there, because that would have been super cool that to stay been, there. That would have been pretty cool to stay there. Yeah. I, I don't know how how long it, after the tide goes down... You can drive on it? ...before you can start driving on the road again. I don't I don't know. But the crazy thing is, like, the, the way they build the road is, you know, how they build a lot of or they they build in land into Denmark and like expand the land because they can't you know expand south or you know east without creating a war (laughs) so what they do is they have these um they have like little sections of land and then they'll uh put they'll put like logs they'll install logs into like the mud flats and then they'll fill that in with like woody debris in between the logs and eventually the sediment and the debris like fill in and then create more land See, I, I don't even, I don't really know what the whole point of that whole thing was, because in one interpretive panel, that's what it sounded like, that's what it was trying to say. Yeah. Another one said that they do that to maintain what they currently have, the land that they currently have. Well, probably. And then another thing said that that's how they create, like, farmland, but it, I, I, none of it, I, I would like to read more about it to, to know exactly what they're, what, why, why they're doing this. But we saw them actively doing it. There was, yeah. 
on the road out to Mondo, there was there was a guy out there or a, a crew, uh, three guys. They had a front end loader, an excavator, and a pickup truck, and they were out there um, just tying together um, these wooden sticks that were tied to um, posts that were hammered in like every foot up, one foot apart, all the way down to create this uh, berm that the sediment, when the tide settles back out, sediment stops behind it. Captures it. it. It captures it, and then the tide comes in. It's, and it's to do that, I guess, to slow the water down to drop the sediment, but I have no idea the effectiveness or why they're still doing it or any, anything like that, but it was, it was fascinating to see that they're still doing it for some reason, and I guess to maintain, make sure that that road doesn't get eroded away because there, there is a community that lives out there. But it's super but, cool, and yeah. we suggest if you're ever in that area, go check Definitely it out. Definitely go to Mondo. We um, saw Grey Lake geese and, and oyster catchers, golden plovers, just a ton of lapwings, mm-hmm. one little red knot by itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, but a lot of shorebirds in lots that area. Lots and lots of shorebirds. It's, it's a shorebird area for sure. So the, the, the whole area, the Wadden Sea, I had never even heard of it. And it's a huge section of it's coast. It's like monstrous. From, it's like from the Netherlands up through Denmark. Yeah, it's it's the or, the does entire. Does it go all the way to uh, yeah. Norway? No, I don't think it goes to Norway. Oh, okay. So it, as as far as I could tell, it was all the way from the north end of Denmark down across Germany and over to the Netherlands, and just that entire whole region of coastline is called the Wadden Sea, and it's it's a basically mud flats for like a mile. Um, like a mile wide the entire coastline the whole way and it's super super rich in nutrients the bird life completely depends on it for migration and it's just this whole this whole eco region that i'd never even heard of (laughs) and i feel like we watch enough david attenborough we watch enough uh like all these other blue planet and all these how did we miss it how did we miss the wadden sea but we did until we went there and I I feel bad that I missed it before because it's it's pretty spectacular. But if you do go check it out, we suggest you either stay in Mondo because it was really cute, mm-hmm. or there was this town that was not far from there at all, just a little further north called um, we're guessing Ribe. We also don't speak Danish. R I B E yeah. is how it's spelled. It was the cutest town. Like oh if you've gosh. seen Chocolat, like that French movie with Johnny Depp, um, that came out when I was a kid. <laughs> it that that you know took place in a French town. It was, like, that cute, that level of cute. Like, there was a a church in the middle of it that had this big steeple and, like, this little... Cobblestone road everywhere. Oh, my gosh. It was, yeah. The the town, you can't really drive, you can't park anywhere in town. mm Mm-hmm. So you have to park outside of town and walk in, but it's not that far to walk in. But I'm going to be looking for real estate there. So just, you can come stay at my house. It's cool. (laughs) But it was, yeah... It was charming. Yeah, so Mondo or Ribe would be probably the better places to stay than where we did in Esbjerg. <laughs> but Esbjerg was a town that had stuff. So there was gas stations, there was restaurants that we couldn't find, but they were there. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was lots of other stuff in Esbjerg, but then, um, but for a more like in-depth experience, Mondo or uh, Ribe would be pretty fantastic to stay at. We'll so, definitely have to stay there the next time we go. Yeah. So then we kept on driving south, and we ended up in the town of Romo, uh, which is kind of another little that's probably, island. That's probably pronounced awful, too, because both of the O's are an O with a slash in them. Yeah, I don't know how that's pronounced. I, I have no idea the difference in pronunciation between a regular O and an O with a slash. But we went to this little town <laughs> uh, to check it out. There's a ferry that goes to Germany from there, so... Um, 
you know, that's a, an option too. If you're in that area, you can go mm-hmm. south to Germany. Uh, we just walked along the boardwalk for a few minutes and ended yep. up talking to a, a German birder who um, was birding in that area too. And uh, then we headed to our house for the night. Yeah, our house. Our house was interesting. I, it was a big city. It, it was a much, it was the biggest, aside from Copenhagen, it was the biggest city I think we went to. Yeah. In, in all of Denmark. So it was, it was really nice. We ended up uh, there after dark. So we're trying to navigate like a downtown area where all the roads were one ways and half of the one ways were closed to just pedestrian traffic. Oh my gosh, yes. So that was, trying to navigate that once they're closed to pedestrian traffic only is, is difficult. Um, but we figured it out. We got to our hotel. We got, we got all that situated. We got the car parked like a mile away from the hotel yep. or mile and a half away from the hotel. It was a long ways. Um, and then we, um, ended up wandering around and finding another pizza place for dinner. Yeah. Apparently that's what we P- were Pizza and burgers for. is what, uh, we ate most of the time. Denmark, like everywhere we went, it was, there was pizza places and burger places. So, I mean, pizza and burgers are good. I guess it doesn't matter where you go in the world. They're still delicious. But the funny thing is, when we were at this pizza place and uh, we walked in, like, they had frosted windows for part of it. And it had all these sayings like, oh, do this. You know, we don't do that. And it ended up being when when the gal came to get our order, she (laughs) said, I just want to let you know that we don't serve pizza with a fork and a knife here. We serve it the traditional way. You'll have to use your hands. <laughs> we were like, well, yeah, obviously. And I, I didn't think twice. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, it was delicious. Um, it was just really funny that she, yeah. she prefaced that. Yeah, she, she had to give us the warning. Um, and so the next day we uh, went for a walk along Aga and Engso, which was in the Arhus area. Yeah, it was it was a nice little lake. Um, it was, or I guess it was, it was a fairly large lake. Yeah, it was. Uh, we only wa- walked a very small portion of it because it was it was cold and the wind was blowing and the birds because of the wind was so blowing so hard the birds weren't crazy active, but even so we still found some pretty good, um, pretty good birds. We had a bunch of uh, long tailed tits that mm-hmm. were hanging out like real close to the trail. I think they followed us almost the entire walk. Pretty much. I think I think they were trying to like get our body warmth or something <laughs> <laughs> as, as we're walking. Um, and then we ended up, um, I ended up getting a couple pictures of, uh, Eurasian Jay, and I think that was the only pictures I got the whole trip of the yes. Eurasian Jay was at that, uh, at that lake. And then we were like, let's head to the very northern part of Denmark on this round the Denmark trip. Um, so we <laughs> went to, we were, we were driving out to this national park, which I don't think we ever actually ended up finding. No, we didn't end up uh, finding it. But we happened upon, well, you know, part of our... We had to pee. That and part of our just, uh, you know, being flexible, we saw these ruins out in the middle of like a river. So we were like, it was like, wait, it was like out there and just like this castle. Yeah. Like, uh, uh ru- ruins of a castle just like out. And it's like, well, we have to pull over and see what the heck's up with this. Yeah. So we pulled over, went to the bathroom. Fortunately, <laughs> they had one. Yeah. And, and it was a nice one. Yeah. And then we saw the trail to this, the ruins to this castle, and it was through a cow pasture. Yeah, so it was the it was the Kahlo uh, the Kahlo Slots ruin, which is uh, the the Kahlo Castle ruins. It ended up being about a mile out there. About yeah. And there was like nobody out there when we were up at the the ruins, but we walked through the mile of cow pasture, and which there, w- there was a group of there was a family that came and followed us into the pasture right behind us, 
that I was like, oh, well, at least we're not going to be alone out here. And I turned around after like 15 or 20 minutes and they had stopped and they were just standing there like the dad was holding up like the like four-year-old kid or whatever as the kid's like petting these cows. And it's like, oh, so they got distracted by the cows and they're just going to hang out and pet the cows. I'm sorry. Cows scare me. I, I don't want to mess with cows. They, they never ended up making it out to the ruins. Like, they, they turned around and took off. But, but, a lot but we of, made it to the ruins. And uh, along the way, we saw a lot of European golden plovers and dunlin, herrings, er, herring goals, uh, cormorants. So, it was pretty good birding on the way out there. And then we get up to the castle, and there's a lot of rooks. And it's just tons of rooks. really interesting place. Yeah, tons of actually mostly jackdaws. That's that was yeah. that was the big one. Jack, there was probably like like forty of them or thirty of them. Jackdaws just flying flying all around in the ruins, which the ruins. So it was, it was like original ruins, but then they had built this infrastructure in the middle of it, so you can so you can climb up the top of it. So it was it was, it was interesting. Yeah, and then uh, where did we go after that? We we tried to drive around and couldn't figure out where the national park was, and we were so like we, we gave up on that. And decided it was getting kind of late in the day, and we wanted to head down. To where we were going to spend the night, yeah. and we decided on Odense for the night, uh, because that looked like a pretty big central place. And Eric had um, identified that there was the highest point in Denmark along the way, so we had to stop there. Yeah, and it, it was like, it was kind of, it was another spur of the moment. Like, I, I read the sign, or I read the, um, I had seen the sign earlier in the day. <laughs> I saw the sign earlier in the day, and then when we were heading back down the same road, I saw the sign again, and I remembered looking it up that morning. So after seeing it like three times, I finally recognized it, and I was like, okay, let's, we'll have to find this. So I can't remember how we ended up actually finding it. We stopped it. at a rest stop, and I like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured out based on this map that it was there. It, it was, was, it, was all, it was all, it was all in Danish. And so it was, it was kind of hard to figure it out, but we ended up finding, I sleuthed, I had some we, sleuthing Yeah, we did skills. some hardcore sleuthing and we ended up finding it. So it's out in the middle of farm fields. Um, basically this, this region of uh, Denmark is pretty hilly, but yeah. the hills aren't very high. No, um, it just, this hill happens to be a little bit higher it's, and it's, like centimeters the, higher. Centimeters higher, yeah. So it was uh, fi- 170.89 meters above sea level, mm-hmm. which the second highest was 170.6. <laughs> so we're, we're, t- we're talking like 20 centimeters difference between the two highest points. So, so it, and it's the other, the second highest is actually one of the other hills that was like adjacent to this one hill that we were on. We could like see it from yeah, there. Yeah, we're standing on one, we could see the other one and... They all look the same, but, um, there, there was a bunch of controversy over the years, but anyways, um, 170 meters is only 560 feet. So the highest point in Denmark is 560 feet. The, the path, there you go. There you have it. The the path that we go over to get from Portland to, uh, the coast where we're at is, I think it's like 1500 feet. Leave Denmark alone. (laughs) Okay. But anyways, it's, it's a, it's a. Short country. It's all good. So then we stayed in Odense for the night, which <laughs> Odense happens to be a very cute little town. Um, we loved it. And it's the hometown of Hans Christian Andersen. And we went to, we didn't go to his house because it was closed. Um, but we walked past it and we kind of read the signs on it and everything. And behind it, it's this little, you know, it's this little block and like cobblestones and like 
all these houses that aren't straight. You know, it's <laughs> it's really cute. And they're building this whole garden behind it that has like a museum that's below the garden that has like these cutouts so you can look up through it and all of the You can like, look up to the garden from inside the museum that's below ground. And all the sections of the garden are going to be um, themed after some of his stories. Yeah, after his fairy tales. So the, I, it looked like the construction's supposed to be done sometime next year. Sometime in 2020. But anyways, so, go there. Yeah, definitely. It's so cute. Maybe wait till mid-2020s. So maybe it'll be done then and go, and go check it out. Because it was it looked pretty, like it was going to be really awesome. And the town's really nice, too. It's it's bigger, but it's not, like, huge and, you know, a lot. Uh, it's it's quaint. Yeah, it's a really nice town, Odense. Took us forever to figure out where to eat because there's so many options. There were a lot of options, which, which is a lot better than... When we were at uh, Esbjerg, that there was not any options, and we we're trying to figure it out. So we ended up, um, we ended up finding, we stopped at this place called Halifax Burgers mm -hmm. for dinner. Does it look cool? It looked cool. It looked looked kind of. It looked like it had, they had their own beer, and they had really big burgers, and it looked really nice. So I was like, oh, that's sounds great. So we're coming back into the last theme of uh, no fork pizza. and knife. <laughs> yeah. Or, so we like sit down at the restaurant. We like order our food mm -hmm. and. <laughs> like I looked around and because I was facing out towards the restaurant, Eric was facing me and the wall behind me, and I was like, Eric, everybody here is using a fork and knife to eat Every their single burger. Person. And I was like, you're gonna have to figure this out because Eric will not use this fork and I'm, knife. I'm like an animal, like <laughs> I just kind of like make a mess. Yeah. It's he likes to get it in his beard, like deep in the beard. Deep in my beard. Yeah. <laughs> so. Save it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like okay, just warning him like hey we're gonna have to do this and so the guy brings us our burgers which are fantastic by oh the way oh my gosh they're giant they're, juicy oh, big so good burgers <laughs> and like I I picked it up took my took a bite you know like an American would and that I just like could feel ridiculous doing it it feels a judgment yeah so i got out the fork and knife which isn't as good because like you don't get every single piece of burger on a fork like you don't get the tomato the lettuce it's it's you know, too the tall bun. yeah exactly they're, they're too tall to be able to eat with a fork and a knife you have to hold it and smash it and shove yeah. it in your face but but we did we did like did like the danish we ate it with a fork and a knife. It was so good. It was delicious. Even even though you couldn't get the perfect mixture of all the things all at once, it was still delicious. And they were amazing. Yeah. So sorry for everybody in Denmark. Yeah. Everyone had to put up we're with us. We're embarrassing. So um, next morning we got up, um, headed headed out to a little peninsula that jutted um, north out of um, out of it was out of, it was out of Odense a little a little ways. Like half hour or forty five minutes, and it was freezing cold. Yeah, and, and there were a lot of fishermen. Apparently, it's sea trout season. Yeah, so we it, the I think it was uh, Finns Hovid. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, is the the little the name of the peninsula or the name of the town that we went to? That's at the end of the peninsula. We saw a fair number of birds. There was like at first we were just kind of looking. And we we're like, yeah, this isn't yeah. great. At first, it's we were cold. very disappointed. And then we noticed like a little trail that went along um, like a hill that looked out over a bay. And so we just like went off on that and it ended up being really good birding. We and got the, a the couple hill, lifers. The hill blocked the wind a little bit. So it was, it was a lot easier to handle. There were a couple turns, red shank, um, gulls, uh, shorebirds. Yeah. So it, it was really good. And there was a ton of cormorants out there. Mm -hmm. And then, then they all took off. And I wish we would have gone out there when before they took off because I'm sure there was other stuff out there with the cormorants. Oh, probably. 
But but there was also tons of kite surfers too. Yeah. Like what but they weren't there when we got there. They I think they slept in or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but by the time we were coming back from walking up walking out that little trail back to the car, there was like three or four kite surfers that were showing up and a whole bunch more people that were getting re- getting their gear together and getting ready to go out and and have a good morning. Um so then we decided to go to the southernmost uh state location in Denmark. We went it's a to the long highest. Drive. Yeah. So we went to the <laughs> southernmost. And that ended up being a tiny little spit that yeah, looked just a out little spit. over Germany. <laughs> it's called Gedzer Odi. Yeah, Gedzer Odi. So they there's a banding station out there. There's a um little observation like building that's out there at the southernmost point of Denmark. And we saw so many common eiders and oh so many gosh. barnacle geese. Like, it was, like, in the thousands of both. Like, these things are just flying and flying and flying. Like, a group of, like, 30 would fly by, then another group of, like, 40. And every, every like, minute or so, there'd be, mm-hmm. like, another giant group of, first it'd be barnacle geese, and the next group would be common eiders. And yeah. it's, like, over and over and over as, as these birds are migrating through. So it was, like, this is pretty spectacular yeah it's it's like going it's like going to like these warbler migration things in in the central flyway but it's of common eiders <laughs> just massive i mean there's low numbers of species but giant numbers of individuals mm-hmm. so it was it was pretty cool and there's a couple birders out there too and they'd been out there all day doing yeah, sea watching do, do, doing what we talked about in the, in the sweden episode spending the entire day Sitting in one eight, place. Eight or nine hours of just sitting and count <laughs> and counting, which which is good data from for a stationary point if if you separate it out by hour, but it's good data for that. But I feel like it would be extremely boring <laughs> to, sit, to sit out there the entire day. That's just us. Yeah, that's just us. Um, it was weird though at the banding station. We walked over because we saw that it was the it was the Denmark Ornithological Society mm-hmm. or something right there. And it was like their headquarters or something. Yeah, yeah, and we saw some people over there, and we were like, okay, we'll walk over there. And then we kept hearing this hawk call over and over and over again, and we are like, well, that's kind of peculiar. Yeah. And then we realized that there was a ba- there was net, a banding net. A mistnet Or a mistnet, yeah, thank you. And they were playing a hawk call behind it so that warblers or, you know, gold crests and things like that would fly into the net, like get scared and fly into the net. So Yeah, I don't know I don't know how I feel about whatever whatever was going on with that. Yeah, I didn't I've never seen that practice before, so that's um, a little peculiar to us. So Yeah. And we never we didn't talk to anybody, so we don't know if that's exact I'm that's what it to what it appeared to us that that's what it was. But yeah. but we we didn't find anyone to talk to. So, so we, we just turned around and left. We just left. It's like this is weird, I don't know what's going on. Let's get out of here. Yeah. On the way out, though, uh, we saw some stock doves, and yep. those were lifers for us. Yeah, finally stock doves. Yeah, and <laughs> there was a sparrow hawk that almost hit our car, so Oh, that was my cool. gosh, that was so close. Yeah, not cool. <laughs> cool, not cool. I, we, I, we weren't even driving. We were driving super slow, and it just, it was chasing, I think it was chasing the stock doves. Maybe. And it just, whoosh, come right out. It was crazy. Yeah. Um. So then we had to get back to Copenhagen yeah. so we could so fly, we could fly out fly the home. next day. After our long, arduous Scandinavian tour adventure, and spent the night in just a hotel that was right next to Copenhagen. Right, right um, next to the airport. It was like a f- two-minute drive yeah. to the airport. Yeah, and uh, the gal at the hotel suggested this really traditional Danish restaurant, which was like perfect end to the trip yeah to go to a danish some some actual danish food (laughs) rather than eating burgers and pizza like we've been eating the whole time yeah (laughs) 
Um, so then we got up early the next day and flew to Helsinki, had a five hour layer layover in Helsinki, found some awesome chocolate and, uh, flew back to the U S yeah. Landed in LA, spent the night, flew back to Portland <laughs> yep. and then we were home. Yeah. So that was, that was our, that was our, our, that was our adventure. adventure. That was the whole thing beginning to end. So, um, <laughs> lessons learned. What, what did we, what did we learn? What did we what did we not learn? So you were big about traffic and <laughs> oh driving. And... So traffic safety and traffic laws operate differently, not significantly differently, but significant enough to be noticeable in Scandinavia versus the States. And I think we, I counted a grand total of three stop signs in all of Scandinavia. And all three <laughs> of them were in Denmark. None of them were in Sweden. Didn't see any in Norway. I didn't see any when we were walking around through the rest when we were in the cruise ports. Stop signs are not popular over there. They use yield signs, and there are signs indicating if you're on a primary road that does not have to yield to traffic, or if you're on a secondary road that does have to yield to traffic. And when you get to an intersection, if you're on the primary road, you don't yield. You just keep going. You're all good. And and all the signs are yield signs, so I feel like traffic flows quicker. And there were roundabouts everywhere which i lo- i loved that roundabouts were fantastic so those are the two main things about traffic infrastructure that i found fast traffic laws and traffic infrastructure also seatbelts and dogs um dogs over there can be considered and sh- everywhere should be considered projectiles in a vehicle in a, in a vehicle should you get into an accident so in Sweden, Sweden in particular, but the rest of the state, the rest of the countries over there, they also require that your dog be tied down or secured in some way anytime you're driving. So most people have like a cage in their trunk, like in their, uh, like a hatchback trunk sort of thing. They have a cage back there that they open up the trunk, dog hops in, they close it up and they're good to go. The cage is bolted down, the dog's inside the cage. Everyone's safe, the dog's protected because it can't go bouncing around everywhere, it's inside the cage. Okay. Things that things I loved about there. <laughs> um, so the main like lesson I learned, which is something that I feel like I always knew, but be flexible in your traveling. We definitely could have gotten into a bad situation uh, at the beginning of our trip that we had this plan, and the second we got to the car rental company, they like just totally killed that plan. So if we, we had to be flexible. Yeah. So, well, and also if we had had like hotel reservations mm-hmm. throughout the, the whole rest of our trip, like we would have been screwed and just like had to cancel all those reservations and who knows if we would have lost money, um, on that. So yeah. it really worked out on this trip that we hadn't planned all that. Like we hadn't actually made reservations. Yeah. So because we're notorious for not reading enough of the fine print. Oh, come on. That was like <laughs> deep in the fine print. Like it, I've it, talked to a lot of people. Oh, I know. And nobody, nobody knows about that. Nobody knew about that. Yeah. So it's, it's something be that, warned, be warned that you, you might miss some things in the fine print and it might change, might make you change some plans. Yeah. So this is our, our first trip where we've been super flexible and, um, luckily we were, yeah, and I mean, parts of it were a little frustrating, but it was also made it out to be a fun and yep. uh, spontaneous trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so over there also, sales tax and taxes in general are very high. Denmark is like 25%. Yeah, so sales, 25% sales tax. It's um, it's like a, um, con, oh, what's it? VAT, it's the VAT. Well, it's it's a um, consumer tax, so it's everything that you purchase oh, is taxed. Okay. So I... I think they also have an income tax, but there's also 
But that doesn't apply to us. That doesn't apply to us because we're not making income. But but the but uh, anytime you buy anything, it's taxed. Everything. So um, when you go to restaurants, it's taxed. But generally, it's included in the price of the meal. Mm-hmm. So that's why things are expensive when you go to a restaurant because they've included that sales tax at twenty five percent on top of your on top of your meal, of meal. Are already included in there. So you don't really need to worry about there. But when you go to retail stores, grocery stores, stuff like that, it's from what I can tell, it generally was not included. On, on the price tags, so expect to see it's not going to be exactly what you what you expect when you uh, see it, and it's going to be a lot more in some cases. So that was interesting, something I had no idea how the, the taxes were that high there. But they, they, have, they have a lot of really good um, social programs that go along, go along with having high taxes. So. Yeah. So anyways, it was, it was a fun trip. Yeah, and it was awesome. And thank you guys for um, hanging in there with us on... Three, three really long episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry it's so long. It was a long trip. Um, in our, when this episode airs, we'll be at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. Yep, Super fly, excited about that. As of the recording of this, we fly out tomorrow. Yeah. Which, when you hear this, will be three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, the next episode will be about our trip. But also follow us on our trip to the Rio Grande Valley on social media and I'm sure we'll we'll post videos and pictures and things like that as soon as we yeah, can as much as we can as fast as we can and then the last two things um so the art show that we did down in Canna Beach Oregon for the Stormy Weather Arts Festival we're doing like the same thing for Mimosa Madness which is Cannon Beach's version of Black Friday so it's so we don't trample everyone at Walmart to go get whatever's on sale we come down to Cannon Beach, we drink and we mimosas, drink. and we go look at art. Yeah, so it'll be uh, Friday, November 29th at our hotel, which is the Seabreeze Court in Cannon Beach, Oregon, from 8 to 11, we're thinking, a.m. Um, so we'll we'll post an event on social media, but yeah. just heads up, if you're in that area, stop by and check it out. If yeah. not... And check out the rest of Cannon Beach, too. Yeah. It's if, pretty awesome. If not, we might end up posting Eric's pictures on Etsy or something like that. But we also did make a gallery page on our, on our website. So if you're, um, you know, check it out. And if you want to purchase anything, just send us an email and we can work it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Last thing, um, which we've mentioned several times, but we're going to be at the San Diego burning festival in February. So, um, if you're in that area or planning to go, we hope to see you there. Yeah. So that's that's all our news. That's oh all Denmark. Gosh. That's everything. So much talking. So much. So thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and Pod anywhere Chaser. else. Podchaser. Anywhere else that you can find us. Uh, if you'd like to connect directly with us, um, you can follow us at Hannah, Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Or our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our you can, Twitter is at WeGoBirding. Um, you can email us at hannanairgobirding.com. You can also um, find our find us on our website at gobirdingpodcast.com. Yes. Um, <laughs> tell us what you like. Tell us what you hated. Uh, share us with your friends. And just, you know, just listen to us. Good birding. You're awesome.